0: All right, everybody, final hour as we roll till 3 o'clock. Look, our next guest, he's got nothing to do today. There's nothing really going on, so we thought we'd bug him and uh, have him come on the show. You know him as Randy Wayofer, a longtime radio guy and uh, front office guy for the iCubs. It's a pleasure to have him on because tonight is the home opener. You got nothing to do, right, Randy?
1: Oh, we're just kicking back, waiting to... Open the gates and let people come streaming in.
0: <laughs> Before we get to the home opener, uh, you went to uh, Arizona and you got a chance to work some uh, some Cubs games out there on the big club. How was that experience?
1: It was great. Uh, you know, the uh, Cubs have been pretty generous. Len Casper, in, in, in particular, has, has been great. Letting us do uh, some reports during the season uh, as, as part of the pregame show and uh, you know, he's part of the Cubs.com broadcast uh, during spring training for most of the games. But then there's some conflicts when they're also going to carry some of those games on, on television and he can't be both places at once. So that opens up a, an opportunity for me to, to fill in a couple of games. And uh, it's great to have a little bit of spring training for me, too.
2: Well, the home opener tonight, 638 with the first pitch, Randy. Uh, let the listeners out there, maybe sitting on the fence, should head out there, and get the coat on, and uh, watch the opening night of baseball. What uh, cool things you guys got going on. There's there's always something special about mm-hmm. opening day at any
1: park. Well, we we think that opening day is a holiday in our world, yeah. and uh, love to love to have people come join us. Uh, some may have come to the open house last Saturday to see the new ribbon board in left field, but uh, tonight will be the day that it's really in action with some of the updates, and, uh, and that will be a great addition to the ballpark and uh, Principal Financial Group. Uh, we just extended the naming rights partnership with them, announced last week. Uh, and they're sponsoring a, a W-Flag T-shirt giveaway, and we've got a special opening night fireworks show from j m Displays. So, uh, you know, the sun's out. It's warmed up. Uh, it's a little windy, but it's, you know, the Midwest in April. We've played with the <laughs> – 50 degrees colder than it's going to be yep. uh, today so uh, we hope people come on out uh, and join us the, the 638 start time get you home in time to be ready for work tomorrow uh, and um, we'll, we'll look forward to, to getting things started for sure
2: you mentioned that 638 start time uh is that because of you know kids with school do you guys look to do that seems like the early season games are a little bit earlier is it a factor of weather and kids kind of how did you determine getting to that start time
1: uh, both weather and the family situation, and we know that uh, you know minor league baseball and the Iowa Cubs have, have built uh, the attendance base and and our reputation on being uh, fun family entertainment. Uh, and when schools still in, uh, and we're playing a night game, you know Monday through Thursday in April and May, we'll play at six thirty. Uh, Fridays and and Saturdays will be at, at seven o'clock. Except this Saturday, we're gonna try a special five oh eight start. Not knowing what the weather will be when we put those times together, we were hoping that maybe starting with the sun out for a little bit longer might help us uh, if it was a little bit chilly and windy to, to make it uh, more comfortable on a, on a Saturday when hopefully a great majority of people's schedules might be a little bit more flexible. But you were right on it for the 638 games in April and May. It's for uh, uh, the opportunity to bring the family down, uh, even when they're school the next day, and then uh, also to uh, you know, hopefully capture a little bit of extra sunshine.
0: Uh, break down the uh, team this year for us. Look, everybody who's gone to watch the I-Cubs in the last couple of seasons now sees all of those players that were in Des Moines now playing in Chicago. Uh, Ian Happ is a guy that that name has already uh, surfaced. But, Randy, give us give us a couple of names that uh, fans now should start to focus in on.
1: Uh, Jamer Candelario is back. Uh, he was one of the best players in this league, let alone on our team for the month of August. And he really kind of tore it up uh, last year and is off to a good start. He's already got 10 RBIs uh, in the first series uh, coming home. And uh, Victor Caratini is a switch hitting catcher uh, that they like a lot, certainly with Wilson Contreras there uh, in Chicago. Uh, you know, Miguel Montero is a guy that's got just one more year on his contract. Uh, and there might be an opportunity there going forward. Uh, so they, they like Caratini, and this was his first year at AAA, uh, and he's a converted catcher, and he was drafted by the Braves as an infielder, so he can play some other spots, uh, which increases his value, uh, too. Uh, Chesney Young uh, is going to be on the infield, and he won the batting title at high A two years ago and won the batting title last year at AA uh, and, and should be a, a terrific player. And, of course, John Andrioli and Taylor Davis are back uh, and, and could very well... Uh, the factors uh, for Chicago if a need comes up uh, because of their experience going forward. So the position player group is is really strong. And then the pitching staff, um, You know, our rotation is full of guys on the 40-man rosters. The Cubs traded for Eddie Butler, who's going to start tonight in the offseason uh, from the Rockies, and he had five wins in, in spring training to lead the Cactus League and one opening day for us. Uh, Alec Mills they traded for from the Royals and has some big league time. Uh, Then we've got uh, uh, Aaron Brooks that was hurt last year and with us on rehab but on the 40-man roster. Jake Buchanan who won 12 games for us last year and was on the 40-man roster and went up in in September and is back. And then Ryan Williams was the minor league pitcher of the year in 2015 for the Cubs and kind of the hot next guy in spring training uh, last year and was really good for us until a shoulder injury set him down in May was our opening day starter a year ago. So there's five really good triple-A pitchers that they're grooming to be ready just in case uh, they need some help in the rotation, and that doesn't even include Rob Zestrizny, who hmm. probably start for us uh, a little bit and is currently in the bullpen um, because they use them in relief a lot in spring training, so they're going to build up his pitch count. So there's a, a really strong group right there, and um, you know, in addition to some other uh, veteran guys on that bullpen, too.
2: Well, one of those guys, Brian Dunsing, longtime lefty, uh, started a playoff game Back in the day for the twins he 's down on a rehab assignment. What can you tell us about duncing and how he looked and how quick it 'll be before he can ascend back up and help out the major league team
1: uh, he 's looked really good so far in his two games in Oklahoma City. He pitched a uh, one inning opening night and he 's with us on major league rehab uh, so he 's you know, on chicago 's disabled list uh, he had some some back issues that uh, kept him out of some spring training games in the middle, so they 're uh, making sure that he 's built back up but he was uh, got three ground outs and like nine pitches uh, in his first inning and then struck out five and in two innings and gave up one broken bat hit uh, yesterday afternoon in Oklahoma city. So he's looked really good uh, and they haven't really given us a timetable of how long he'll be here. uh, But uh, so far so good with him. And uh, you know, with those back things, I think you have to be careful. It's the day after you pitch more than how you look on the mound sometimes. So they'll monitor him carefully and, I imagine it probably wouldn't be too long before they find themselves having to make a decision.
0: Uh, AAA baseball, a breath away from playing in what they like to call the show. And, Randy, it's the manager and coach's jobs to get these guys ready. Can you just kind of give our listeners a little background on what takes place and how managers and coaches report to the big club almost every day?
1: Well, they do, and you know sometimes the lineup decisions come from uh, the front office. Okay, there's a plan in place. You know, Ian Happ started the first uh, four games at second base, but then played left field yesterday afternoon. So there's a plan for each one of these guys, and uh, it's not necessarily on Friday he'll play this position, but they give kind of an outline. We want to see him play second base four days a week and the outfield twice, however that works, and match it up uh, accordingly. And uh, you know. All four guys on the infield can play all four infield spots, ironically enough, between Happ and Chesney Young and Candelario um, you know, and Taylor Davis uh, and uh, Ozzy Martinez that we just signed uh, that's uh, played shortstop a, a little bit. You know, so they get kind of a guideline of we want to see these guys work at these different positions and, and, and try to make that happen. And then there's the work that gets done before batting practice, during batting practice, um, to work on individual skills and, and, and weak points and, and strengths to make sure that you don't go backwards on, on, on those things. And every day after the game, there's a, a computer system that the uh, all the coaches are a part of at every level, that they input all the data that they've collected uh, from the game that gets uploaded so that everyone in the Cubs system has a full report on uh, velocity of pitches, number of breaking balls, the whole pitching chart gets uploaded, who made good plays on defense who made errors well, not just the results of, of what was in the box score and comments on the, each guy and, and and what they saw so that's uh, it's it's pretty in depth
2: so tonight the home opener 638 first pitch for the i cubs new orleans comes to town well the new orleans zephyrs no they're not the zephyrs no, no. anymore they're now the baby cakes. Yeah. This fascination and the oddity of He's this laughing. thing. He's laughing. I can hear him laughing. Randy, please explain this goofiness to me. Uh,
1: there is a real uh, push in, in minor league baseball, and there's uh, a couple of companies that really kind of specialize in working with minor league teams uh, to capture uh, local flavor in their branding for uh, updates. You know, There's new ownership in New Orleans. Uh, two years ago, and uh, this new group is looking to put their own stamp on the organization and and make a stronger connection with the local community. Uh, So this was where they ended up. Uh, And certainly New Orleans is a much different market uh, than (laughs) Mm -hmm. Des Moines, Iowa, and what appeals to folks to go to minor league baseball there and here is not the same. I hope it works for them uh, there because, uh, you know, they've struggled. It's no fun to go play in front of 400 people. Um, on, on a Tuesday night, which has happened over the last few years when, when we go there. I hope um, that part of this will invigorate fan interest and discussion and get people interested to seeing what their product is going to be like, uh, hopefully, and, and helps them out. And that's kind of the beauty of it. And, you know, we don't have to be kind of cookie-cutter, and uh, the minor leagues has the opportunity to uh, push the limits uh, of what the major leagues uh, can't do. Uh, but you have to know your own market, and you know there's no interest in our part on uh, doing something like that in this community, uh, if, because it just doesn't fit the taste of our ownership or our fan base. I don't think. But if it works for them, um, I hope it does. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes the industry stronger, uh, you know. But if you're a player in the Miami Marlins minor league system, you. Right, having a good year at AA for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, and you get promoted to join the New Orleans Baby Cakes uh, when, you, when you go to AAA. It certainly makes for some interesting hats and stat lines.
2: It's a different world, Randy. It, it
0: is. Randy, we had a discussion earlier on the show about how it used to be minor leagues were a lost leader for the parent clubs, and the parent clubs supported everything. That is not the case anymore. Um, maybe in the case of New Orleans, it might be, but pretty much around baseball, from single A to double A to triple A, minor league baseball has become a nice little money maker now for the parent club.
1: Well, not necessarily for the parent club. They do own some of the minor league affiliates. You know, uh, the the business model for the Iowa Cubs under our own separate local ownership. We mm-hmm. share the name and. And, and the, the agreement spells out that you know, we have the right to have a team uh, where the Major League team pays for the players and the coaches. And, um, so they're not necessarily reaping the benefits um, from a financial standpoint at the Major League level, but what having a strong minor league system in places like Des Moines, Iowa does for the Chicago Cubs is the success of our organization and the support of fans in this community allows us to upgrade the facilities to provide their players with the best advantages to focus on baseball, to get better, to be part of the championship team at the next level. So part of our announcements last Friday with the uh, extension of our agreement with the Cubs through 2020 and the principal naming rights uh, extension is going to allow us to upgrade the lights um, at the ballpark this year. That makes play better uh, for the player development. It allows us to, have expanded the clubhouse facilities a couple of years ago, and added space in the weight room and room for a nutritionist and some of the other things that uh, they're really focusing on. One of the next projects is going to be an expansion of the batting cage indoors. Uh, so on the cold days in April, uh, not like today, it's beautiful for the opener, but uh, there will be some cold ones to mm-hmm. uh, get some work done inside and have better facilities. That's where the major league club uh, really benefits. Uh, there is some financial gain and, uh, markets where uh, the Braves, for instance, own their AAA teams and their people run them in Gwinnett and their AA team in Mississippi and the Cardinals own some of their affiliates. Uh, you know, so we have a, a separate working relationship with the Cubs, even though we share their name. But certainly the benefits that they get from the success that uh, we're able to enjoy is how we can translate that into the facility to allow the players to, to get the most out of their time here.
0: Randy, great information. Uh, Before we let you run, uh, give us the uh, lowdown again tonight. When do all the festivities begin, and when is first pitch? Uh,
1: So the gates will open just after 5. We've got the W-Flag t-shirts from the Principal Financial Group for the first 2,500 folks. You want to be here uh, to get one of those. Uh, First pitch will be at 6.38, and we'll do the uh, full introductions as is customary on on opening day. We've got the bunting out, and we'll uh, bring everybody to the line for the National Anthem and the pomp and circumstance there, and then we'll have a special fireworks show uh, right after the game from J&M Displays. So it's going to be a a fun night.
0: You have a great time. Enjoy another great opener uh, at the Icubs at Principal Park. Thank you, Randy.
1: Sure. Appreciate it, guys. Okay. Thank you. Okay, man. Randy,
0: Randy Wayofer, uh, long-time broadcaster, front office personnel type uh, with the iCubs, always loaded with great information. I really like talking baseball with him.
2: Uh, not a bad night out of the ballpark. No. They do a great job They down do. There. They really and do. We talked about this yesterday. We're yeah. very lucky to have such a nice park. Yes. And uh, what they put into it throughout the years and what it is today. It's a great place to watch a ball game, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Here it
0: is. A uh, quick break, and then we're coming right back, everybody. Right here, it's the Big Talker 1700. Big games play here. Westwood One Sports on Des Moines Station for News Talk Sports. 1700 KBGG.
2: The weather's warming up, and it's time to think about your spring projects. Wolf Construction Roofing can take any roofing job, large and small. Flat roof, sloped or pitched.
0: It's Spring Black Friday at the Home Depot, where right now, select John Deere mowers come with a free Home Depot gift card worth up to $350. From zero-turn models to the new Excel cutting decks, John Deere gives you a quality cut that won't cut into your downtime. And that free Home Depot gift card puts even more spring in your pocket.
2: Back at it on a Tuesday as we bring in Wolfgang. It's presented by the Spot West Glen. Always a fun conversation. You can find Wolfgang on Twitter at Wolfgang Hawkeye. He follows you back all the time too. That's why you follow almost five thousand people. Wolfgang is baffling to me. How do you get through your Twitter feed when you're scrolling through?
3: I'm a nice guy. If somebody follows me, I follow them back.
2: How do you not
3: follow people that follow you, Trent? I don't get it. That's mean.
2: It's not mean. I use Twitter as an information-gathering source, so I don't need a bunch of people in there talking about what they're having for lunch, what their kids are up to. That's what (laughs) Facebook is for. Facebook's for all that stuff. For me, Twitter, it is a part of my job. It is part of what I do, so that's how I'm able to do it. It's a little mean, eh, perhaps, but that's just the way that it is. So I follow strictly sports writers, sports commentators, people like that. I don't follow athletes. I don't follow any coaches. I don't follow anything like that. What I follow is for my job. That's how I get away with it.
3: When you follow D backs like me, man, I mean, what? How did you? What, what's going on there?
2: It's a good question. How, how did that ever happen? <laughs> I'm I'm sure it was probably you know John Miller maybe uh, tweeting something out of you something like that. I'm like, oh, this guy's entertaining. I'll give them a follow. I'll give them a follow. It. And and I do I have plenty. I do actually follow some Hawkeye and some Cyclone and Panther fans out there that are just that, that are fans that commentate a lot and that I always enjoy their insights. So I shouldn't say it is strictly that, but it also has something to do with the job and seeing what the people are saying out there along with it. And
3: I think you should get another Twitter handle, uh-huh. another Twitter thing, and just with your Trent Condon one, I think you should follow everybody that follows you just to be nice. And then you can have one where you um, – The information one. Mm. What do you think of
2: that? Sounds like a lot of work. I don't need any (laughs) more. A lot of work? Come on. (laughs) I I, I got plenty of that already. I don't need any more. Trying to figure out what feed, which goes where, which one I'm opening up. That's that's all All right. right.
3: I I don't know if I like talking to snobby Trent right now, but that's okay. (laughs) I'm willing to do it.
2: Well, Wolfgang, over at Valley High School at the stadium in West Des Moines, we got to see the Iowa Hawkeyes Friday night. Uh, unfortunately for me, I made the mistake of bringing my daughter along, who's 22 months old, and oh boy. She, she didn't want to sit and watch football. I know it's hard to believe, but that wasn't her idea of entertaining. So we went down. No. Uh, let's see, that'd be down in the uh, southeast corner, and she was running around down there. So I got to see a little bit, but not certainly as much as I would have liked to. So I'm going to keep this open-ended for you. What What did you see? What did you like? What made you nervous? Uh, your thoughts from the practice over at Valley Stadium.
3: Well, first of all. Um no, and I agree with you. Yeah, I tried that with my kids, you know, a few years ago, and yeah, it doesn't. If they're too young, or it's it's you have to be a kind of a hardcore person to go to one of those. If it's a spring game, if it's an actual game mm-hmm. like a lot of the play, like colleges play, hey, it's football. They'll like it, but it's it's like it's not for it really is for kids. And and I can understand why uh, she got bored, <laughs> but. Um, Um, and we can't read, we talked about it. We can't read too much into, uh, to spring ball. We talked about it last week. Um, the undefeated season, I went up to, um, Kinnick and watched that and literally a friend of mine and I were laughing at how bad we were. Mm. That, that makes me feel so stupid. Like, I don't know anything about football. I know I've watched Iowa my entire life. I know that they, you know, they start off slow and get a little bit better as as the year goes along. But they were so bad. That offensive line was so freaking bad. And then they go undefeated, Trent. So I don't know what to take of this anymore. Um, I'm scared about the injury to Snyder. ACL. If people yeah. haven't heard, um, QB of the D is what they're saying. And so I don't know, um, supposedly there's a couple guys they like that will fill in for him, but I started to like him. We brought him up. Do you remember that? We brought him up at the end of, uh, our last, our last show. And we were like, man, he really started to get it kind of towards the end of the year, you know, because at the beginning of the year, he was trying to be, I don't know, just kill you and not wrap up. The goal is to get you to the ground. You know what I mean? And yep. he wasn't doing that. Um, what do, what do you think about Snyder? What what kind of impact do you think that will make? Do you think the, the guys that are backing him up, uh, what have you heard on them?
2: Well, you know, individually, in its own, I, I don't think it's a big deal if you just look at it, hey, you're losing a start. I mean, I was at a place where they can afford that. But you look at the defensive backfield, all right, you're bringing in Two new starters at the cornerback position. It'll be either Joshua Jackson or Michael Ojemudia, and then Manny Rogumba. We've seen all those guys. I think everybody is confident mm-hmm. in them. I like Manny, right? Yeah, but, but at the very least, these are still guys that are going to be in a learning process. And, and to couple that, where there isn't a whole lot of depth behind them. I mean, after you get those three, there's Cedric Boswell, and then a bunch of question marks out of that. So you don't have depth, and injury really wouldn't impact that position. You had the guy that had the experience that can tell the guys where they need to go, what they're going to be doing, you lose that. You couple that with your other safety spot of Miles Taylor, a guy that was injured, Anthony Aguirre came in and then took the job for the last couple of yeah, games not of the a year. Yeah, I'm not a fan of him.
3: I'm not a fan of him, are you?
2: He really struggled. And as we saw Snyder make the ascension and, and go from, hey, I'm just going to lay a big lick here, he also learned angles, he was much better in coverage, those kind of things. That never clicked with Miles Taylor. So you have a guy back in that position that, frankly, did not play very well that year, last year. He is your experienced guy, but he is experienced and not play very well. So you got that part. <laughs> and then after that, it's Jake Gervas is the guy behind him at the free safety position behind Snyder. Mm-hmm. Walk-on kid. It's, it's a story that we've seen a lot of times. I've liked everything I've seen out of him playing special teams. He looks the part, but, again, experience is a factor here. It's, it's an impact. There's no doubt about it. And I think a pretty big impact when you couple everything together. You put all those things together. The question now becomes, Amani Hooker's a guy that we've yep. heard ever since they, he committed to Iowa. The coaching staff was very high on this kid. He's listed as a backup at Strong Safety. The difference between Strong Safety and Free Safety at Iowa, it is a lot. It, it is a very different position. A lot of times, your safeties are, are pretty much interchangeable. There's some different things. At Iowa, they're two very different positions. Do you make the decision to go with Hooker? Or even Miles Taylor, move one of them to free safety. The other one, is a start, starting strong safety? Or are you confident with Gervas? And, and that's a question I think nobody really knows right now. They're saying the right things about Gervas. But if Hooker is that good, I find it hard to believe he's not going to be on the field in some capacity.
3: No, and I can't remember if it was a coach or who I heard say, but they compared Hooker to Pascal. Yeah. Remember him back in the day?
2: Yes, absolutely.
3: So, yeah, I would like to see what year is Hooker, you know?
2: Uh, he'll be a true sophomore, I believe.
3: True sophomore, okay. Yeah, I think Hooker will end up being the guy, um, and it's and it stinks for Snyder. There were actually people that were tweeting at me asking if they could get in touch with him, and, and I asked, like, I have some sort of ability to get in touch with him, but their daughter had had, had an ACL and wanted to talk to him and, and pump him up, but it stinks, it stinks, because I saw him coming on last year, and it was cool. Then we hear about Smith, the wide receiver, getting... Having grade problems, which I don't know, or is he done? Is he? I can't. I can't tell by what they're saying. Is he done or not?
2: It's uh, there's a lot of reading between the lines here, but you know, talking to people over in Iowa City and talking to a few people, they uh, they would be surprised if he's back. But they said it was relayed to me more sixty forty that he won't be with the team after uh, the spring Whoa. semester. He's okay. got a lot of work to do to catch up academically. Remember, this was also a kid that struggled just to get into the University of Iowa. So academics are not a strength of his. But if it is as simple as a guy that didn't show up to class, hey, that needs to be remedied. It can happen. I've always been a big Germanique Smith fan. He looks the part. There's been some uh, boneheaded moments out there. Remember the game a couple of years ago up at Wisconsin where Bob about, about hit him, deflected away for an interception just because he didn't turn around and fall the ball, find the ball from Becker. But yeah, yeah. I, this is a guy that has ability. And we know at the wide receiver position, Wolfgang, Iowa can't afford to lose anybody.
3: No, they can't. And we're going we're gonna to get that Mississippi guy that we all, everybody seems to love. I think on our last show you agreed with me on Cooper. You liked his you liked his uh, video? Did you like him?
2: Not quite as much as you. I mean you're throwing away around Tim De and things no, like that. No, I absolutely
3: <laughs> am not. You know what? You hate when I put words in your mouth and I did I am absolutely not doing that. He just looked like he had good hands. He ran good routes. I remember writing this stuff down because I can't remember all the all the recruits, so I watched these I watch the film, I write stuff down, and then see how wrong I am. But he runs good routes, and he ran away from people. Supposedly, his 40 time isn't that great, and his coach, yeah, he was the one that, that compared him to Tim Dwight, and we, we, you, me, and Jimmy B were laughing. Stop that, please. You, right. you know Tim Dwight? I know Tim Dwight, and you know Tim Dwight, okay? <laughs> Let's stop that, all right? But, um, so it'll be interesting to see the newcomers come in and, if they can make it happen because the kid from Mississippi is put together. Yes. And he can, and, and he looks like he can do it. Cooper doesn't look like he's put together. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. He looks kinda what's the word? Scrappy or, or or whatever. But um the court uh tight ends, I think uh you and I agree maybe um, is going to be better than most people think. Is that right?
2: I'm not ready to go there. Uh, I'm not ready to go there. I just okay. after last year, I'm I'm a little bit nervous. I, I'm nervous about this position. I'm nervous about Vandenberg, how he comes back and how much ability he's going to have. Did he did he lose a half step? You know, after back to back foot injuries, you have to be no tight end. Tight end.
3: I'm talking tight
2: end. Oh, got you, got you. Tight, oh yeah, tight end's great. I, I, tight end. I'm very excited about wide receiver. On okay. the other hand, yeah, I I can't even go. They're going to be better than you think because uh, not exactly sure.
3: Okay, and I, I, I think the tight ends are actually going to be good and probably most people are not believing that. Uh, the quarterback position is worrying me a little bit. Okay. Uh, I don't like when there isn't a true starter. Mm-hmm. You know, when there's, it sounds like they're close from yeah. what we're reading and what we're hearing. I don't like to hear that. I, I, I want Stanley getting all the, not all the snaps, 75-80% of the snaps, and it sounds like it's 50-50. I don't like that. One of them has a better arm. Stanley has a better arm. I guess he's got to work on his accuracy a little bit. I don't know. It's one freaking practice. How am I supposed to grade them on that? But that worries me a little bit because Iowa has a history under Kirk Ferentz, and you know I love him and stick up for him, has a history of picking the wrong guy at quarterback, whether it's Christensen and Stansy, or McCann and Banks, or CJB and Rudock, they pick the wrong guy quite often, and it's been proven. And I'm, I, I'm afraid they're going to pick the wrong guy. We'll see. It's very interesting. We now have a quarterback coach in O'Keefe that's mm-hmm. been in the NFL. I, I can't wait to see what, what kind of improvement that puts towards the quarterbacks with, with O'Keefe spending all of his time, not all of his time um with the quarterbacks but what do you think about that the the quarterback coach type thing
2: well you know you mentioned the quarterbacks and they're a lot closer than i anticipated them being and i one part of that is i think Uyghurs has made some big improvements i think he is he has come a long ways for what the quarterback Mm -hmm. that we saw early in his career he is making development i don't want to say i was disappointed in stanley and what i saw i was just I was more impacted of what I saw to Uyghurs. He, he was better than I anticipated. And, and I thought Drew Cook was a lot better than I thought. From where he was a year ago going through his first spring practice to where he is today, you know, he's made a lot of improvements too. So it is concerning because it felt, and I think we both agreed on this, that Nathan Stanley was the runaway favorite here. And they were saying an open competition, but it really wasn't. This is an open competition. And there wouldn't it wouldn't be sh- as shocking as it was, say, three weeks ago when that first depth chart comes out in August and we see Tyler Rieger's at the top of it, oh, I wouldn't boy. be shocked like I would have been back in March.
3: I, I, don't, want, I don't want this quarterback controversy crap. I don't want it. Mm-hmm. Just pick one and let's go. I mean, obviously you want to play the best player, so you give them... I understand why they're giving them 50-50 reps now, but you've got to pick one. I'm a believer that you have to pick a quarterback. And give him all the reps. We're not doing the read and react wide receiver crap anymore. Right. With uh, with O'Keefe, I'm interested in your opinion on the Brian Ferentz offense. How much do you think it's going to change? Uh, we've got O'Keefe in there.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Is Brian Ference really our offensive coordinator, or is it O'Keefe is just going to have so much say in it? Um, what, what's your opinion on that?
2: Good question, and this has come up a lot, and to me, this is not going to be what we've seen over the last five years. It is going to look different than what it was. The run game's going to stay the same, and by the way, the run game, even without Akron Wadley, looked very good. That offensive line, mm-hmm. boy, those guys can run block. I mean, we, we continually talk about how they really don't have <laughs> tackles out there. It's, it's a group of five guards to play together, but boy, with Myers and Render and James Daniels and Welsh and Becker... Those boys can run block. I mean, going yep. downhill, and you know, Kirk always talks about being fifty-fifty. Hey, maybe you need to be 65-35, Run pass <laughs> this year because those guys, boy, are they good uh, with run blocking? But you know, back to the topic at hand, what the offense is going to look like. I expect it to go back to looking much more like we saw under O'Keefe. But I think Brian Ferentz is going to have some wrinkles. I think you're going to see some of the things that he learned and incorporated uh, with New England, the two tight end sets that they use so effectively. Now, one of those guys, Aaron Hernandez, we know, went down the wrong path. But, you know, yeah. I think with the tight end position, the strength that they have there, their ability to run back, uh, you're, you're going to have a lot more heavy formations. You're going to see two tight ends and, and maybe a fullback in the game as well. Go heavy. Do what you do well. If you got Vandenberg out there, you can use him. If it is Devontae Young, if it is Germanique Smith, if he sticks around, whoever it is. But you don't need to go three wide receiver a whole lot because the way that you're currently constructed, that's not your strength. Play to your strength, and I believe Brian Ferentz will be able to do that, incorporate his ideas. But more than likely, it's going to look more like it did under Ken O'Keefe.
3: Now, are you excited? Because, remember, I get under your skin when I... When I put words in your mouth, and I try not to do that, and I'm not going to do that now. That's why I'm saying this. Okay. Um, you weren't. I would say you weren't excited when he got the job. You wanted maybe more of a yeah. national search. Is that is that right? No,
2: that's that that's completely fair. That's completely fair, and it really has nothing to do with James Ferrante, the coach. It has little to do with his name, though. That is a part of it too. I just was hopeful that they were going to. Think outside the box a little bit more because the offense had struggled so much. And even, you know, we're talking about the good old days of Ken O'Keefe. It's not like they were up there, you know, with, with top twenty-five Ridiculous. offenses year after I year. Know. If it was top fifty, you know, if they're in the forty-fifth in the country, something like that, you know, we're singing his praises. That's kind of what it was. So that was, I guess, the the part of it that I would have liked them see. And and with the new assistant coaches coming in, they are bringing in new ideas. I love the hire, bringing in the guy from North Dakota State. I, I think that makes a lot of sense because Nodak State did things that I've always believed that Iowa should be able to do, and doing those. I understand it's a different level, but the way that they did it and, and the way that they're so effective offensively, I think, can work very well at Iowa. So I, it's, it's difficult to say I was disappointed in Brian Ferentz. And I told you this before, and I brought this up the other day to one of my buddies, that the concern for me, more than anything, is is if things aren't going well, if things aren't working, the offense just can't figure it out, the routes are still clunky, the passing game is struggling for whatever reason, who does the staff turn to? You know, you got the head man, you got the sun underneath. It creates a dynamic that can be difficult when things aren't going well. And that's my concern more than anything about it being Brian Ference as opposed to a guy named Brian Johnson. You know, if, if it was a guy I like that. I
3: disagree. That, I am totally 100% different than you on that. I think Brian Ference is the guy that will actually have the B-A-L-L-Z to, to say, Kirk, no, we got to do some of this stuff that we did at the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Or, or O'Keefe can come in and say, no, we, we learned some stuff with the Miami Dolphins. I'm excited. I don't know if you are. It doesn't sound like you are. I totally, I disagree with you there totally with that.
2: But what if they're doing things that they did with the Patriots and it's not working well and they're doing things that Brian wants to incorporate? Who do you go to? Who do you go to if your offensive coordinator's running things that aren't working? Ken O'Keefe's a longtime assistant there. He's been with Kirk forever. You don't go there. You know, these new staff members, they say, this isn't working. You don't have anywhere to turn to. That's what I'm saying more than anything. Yeah, Brian, he'll get up there and he'll say, old man, hey, this is the way we're going to do things, and this is going to make us more effective and a better football team. Yeah, he's got the balls to do that. I understand that. But the other guys, that is where I'm going to. Who do they turn to? If what Brian's trying to incorporate isn't working,
3: no, that makes sense. I'm excited to see it, and I think that's the storyline of the season: the Brian Ferentz offense with O'Keefe, um, and we all couldn't stand O'Keefe. Remember?
2: I, I do. I remember it well. We,
3: yeah, yeah, called him O'Keefe a number of times, and oh, I after uh, after our new guy, I couldn't stand. I just could not stand our offense. I got to the point where. When we were on offense, I was in Kinnick Stadium. I wanted to go to the bathroom and go get nachos. <laughs> it was just, it was pathetic. Absolutely a pathetic offense. It's okay to score, Trent. It's okay. Yeah, You can score, too, and win. I don't understand that. I understand the run the ball, the 50 50. I understand the good defense and, and special teams play, but it's okay to score. It really is. I promise. Uh, I was reading the blog about the the defensive tackles and I don't know what this guy was 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 talking about. He he was grading every um position
2: mm-hmm.
3: and he gave he gave the de- defensive line an A. What do you think about that? What was it? The defensive line he graded uh-huh. for this year as an A. He thinks we have A-type talent.
2: What the hell is he talking about? You don't think so, huh? No. Absolutely not. War are D-tackles? D no. I have no idea. Maybe e- Epinesa Epinesa's
3: son will end up being a absolute stud. Yeah. We don't know. I doubt it because he's a true freshman, and we don't see that very often. But he is a stud, and he will be a stud. But I, I don't see how in the world. To me, that's the position. That's our worst position, I think, are D-tackles. But he said D-line, let me be fair. Right. He said D-line. Because a.
2: You, you look at what they have at the end position, they got three guys that are all very good. Anthony Nelson could get to the quarterback. Parker Hesse has been very good throughout his tenure. You throw Matt Nelson in the mix, and then you get to Budgeta, who's a two-year starter. Cedric Lattimore at least showing some practice. Brady Reefs coming on. You mentioned that Vanessa coming in. That's a deep defensive line. Wow. play tackle. That remains a question here. The biggest key for this team, and if this defense is going to be outstanding this year, is Cedric Lattimore. They need that guy to not just be a, a guy that can occupy space. They need that guy that can be a playmaker in the middle. I, I think in third longs, you're going to see them using Matt Nelson in the middle. Maybe even to see a Hesse or Nelson or Epinesa go in the middle and play some defensive tackle. And the Raider package looks a little bit different because of that. But for me... If this is going to be a defensive line that's going to be an A for this year, yeah, I do agree, that is a stretch. But Cedric Lattimore is that guy. Budget, he occupies space. He does a very good of that, job of that. Yeah, he does. He'll take on double teams, all those things. He's not a playmaker, though. You need Cedric Lattimore this year to have a dozen tackles for loss, to have four or five sacks, to do those things in the middle, to really disrupt and make the plays. Budget to occupy space. And then you got plenty of guys on the outside you can throw out there. I'm excited for this defensive line, but it is important. And, and we've talked about this before, Wolfgang. Defensive tackle. If that position's in good shape at Iowa, that defense is usually in good shape as well.
3: Yeah, look, look the bleep out. Then I will, I will say, if our D line ends up being an A, we are going to be really good because I, I'm not expecting that. I'm not expecting that with the D tackles. I looked up. I didn't. Did you see the Vegas odds? I got them here. And they've got Iowa. Let's see. They've got Ohio State just a runaway favorite. Um and Michigan two, Penn State three, Wisconsin four, and then they've got Michigan State five, and then tie and then Northwestern, six. And then they've got Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, tied for uh after that for twenty five to one odds, to win the Big Ten title game. Hmm. To win it. So. Where is uh
2: where's that from?
3: Uh, you know what? I don't know. I just favored it on Twitter, and I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure what. No, I can't. I'm not sure where to. Okay, read this. it's well, probably close to whatever you've seen. I'll probably do, close. Yeah, I'll
2: yeah. do some digging to see what I can find there. Yeah, interesting numbers. Ohio State. Yeah, they're they're going to be outstanding once again, even with all the losses that they have. Urban Meyer's just built a program that's kind of at its own level of what they're going to be able to do. Well, what do you think of? What do you think of Michigan? They lost so freaking much. They did. They've recruited well. They've recruited well. I expect a step back from them. You and know, to be honest, I haven't even looked at the Michigan schedule for this year. Let's bring it up here.
3: Yes, do it. Yeah, they, they lost so much. It's ridiculous. And NFL talent stuff. Not just players that they lost. Mm-hmm. Not just starters. Like, really good players that, that are going to make the NFL or, or come close to it.
2: So they got Florida to kick things off uh, down at Jerry World. Cincinnati Air Force, there's an non-conference. Big Ten-wise, they go to Purdue. All right, there's a win. They uh, have a bye week. Then they got Michigan State coming in at Indiana. They go to Penn State this year. They get Rutgers and Minnesota back-to-back at home. Then road trips at Maryland, at Wisconsin, Ohio State, at home to finish things up. If they get Florida, which I believe they'll have a great chance of. Florida's certainly no great shakes. They got a real opportunity here. They're going to run out there and they're going to go into those last two games. I mean, they got a possibility again of being 10 and 0 late in the year before they go to Camp Randall and then finish it up with Ohio State. It's schedule-wise, they're in very good shape. I don't think there's any doubt about that.
3: Yeah, and you have to look at the schedule exactly. It'd be fun to one of these weeks do uh, WNLBs. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it would take a long time to do. We but, got
2: a long summer. Um, we got a long yeah. summer. <laughs> we got plenty of that. You know, it's <laughs> it, it feels almost like it's a bye till they get to that game at Penn State. So that is, let's see, that's the seventh game of the year, much like last year. That one's at Beaver Stadium. I There's something about Penn State this year where I feel like we're going to see a little regression, though. Am, am, I, am I crazy about that?
3: I don't think you're crazy about this, but I'm sitting here looking at the odds. Why are they okay? So they're they're putting like Ohio State one because they have the best odds. Michigan two because have the best odds. Then down low here, they're, they're all screwed up. They're like they have a Rutgers two hundred to one ahead of Maryland one hundred fifty to one. What the, what the hell is that? Mean? <laughs> And they've got Northwestern. They've got Northwestern 20-1, to 1, but behind Iowa. I'm, I'm not getting this. Well, Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll tweet this at you. I don't, I don't, I'm not understanding what they're doing. They're making me go down and see their mistakes that they've made. So, anyway, this may be some BS website.
2: Well, <laughs> with that, Wolf Gaga, we'll take another look at it, re- uh, rewind things and talk about it on Friday. Before we go, though, you want to talk about your boy, Lonzo Ball, you said here in our final minute or two?
3: Yeah. Um I guess uh, you know what? I have a real problem with him. I, I don't understand why he is saying the things he's saying. Racism is racism, and if you're gonna be racist, it's on both ends. And he's talking about what did he say, you can't play three white guys oh, you and mean, win a championship.
2: You mean Labar Lavar ball, the dad. Yes, the dad. Not not what Lonzo, it- okay. I'm sorry, no. What a a freaking joke this guy is.
3: How do you get away with saying some of the things he's saying? You can't say that. And I will say, if you want to be honest, he's got somewhat of a point in terms of the NBA. How many NBA American-born white guys do you know that are stars?
2: There aren't a whole lot of them. You're exactly right. So, I mean, he has somewhat of a point, but quite frankly, you just can't say it.
3: And I guess I just did. But you you, you can't say it. You That's not something that you can bring up or say. Uh, Christian Leitner, Bobby Hurley, did they do any good? You know what I mean? Right. Um, just go I mean? back He's to the spring.
2: 2010 Duke team that started three white guys. In their starting lineup, they won a national title. You don't have to go back very far to see teams with white dudes win a national championship. Look, the guy's a dope. Wolfgang, do yourself a favor. When he comes up, when you see that slide coming up on Center that he's coming up next, whatever it is, don't even listen. Do yourself well, a favor. It, it, it pees me off
3: because you, you can't say that. Remember how many years ago? You're close to my age. Mm-hmm. How many years ago did we hear that a black quarterback and an African-American quarterback could not lead a team or wasn't smart enough to – what a freaking show. Yeah. So it's – sorry, it's racist on both ends.
2: Wolfgang on Lonzo Ball. That's Wolfgang okay. – With that, we are done for the day. You have a good one. We'll talk again on Friday. Wolfgang, you can find him on Twitter, at Wolfgang Hawkeye. It's presented by the Spa at West Glen. Looking for something nice for the lady or just help yourself out with a great massage and many other services? It's the Spa at West Glen. Thanks, everybody out there for listening in. Jimmy B and myself, back at it tomorrow at noon.